Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening for the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, our first event of the evening is a one-fall match with a 15-minute time limit. There ain't nobody, there ain't nobody in wrestling who can make me quit. And that's the bottom line, cause Stone Cold said so. Tuesday. We are what wrestling's all about. New York City here, Chicago here, Jamie on my left, Linda on my right. But I'm not telling any of the girls who I'm going to give it to in Chicago until that night. Tuesday, wrestling. Tuesday returns to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Welcome to Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. You can follow me on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. Also on Instagram, WrestlingTWT. Glad to have you in today because we've got a number of terrific guests. One of them is a big-time professional wrestling fan. He's our college basketball analyst. Sean Farnham is going to be on the program to break down WWE SummerSlam. It's going to take place uh, this Sunday on the WWE Network from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It should be interesting to kind of go through that card with him. And also, second-generation wrestler, part of the Impact Wrestling roster, Tessa Blanchard will be on this program as well because Impact Wrestling is coming to the Chicagoland area, coming to the uh, Villa Park Odium on October 20th. and uh, Tickets go on sale on uh, August 9th, and it's going to be on pay-per-view. So first time in a long time that Impact Wrestling is coming to Chicago. So we'll talk to Tessa Blanchard about her career, uh, her thoughts about Impact Wrestling, about her dad, and everything else. It's all part of this episode of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Um, so let's talk about the AEW just for a moment. All Elite Wrestling, as we know that they are locked in to Washington, D.C. They have their show ready to go. They're going to be at the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. That event is sold out already. And this is the show that's going to take place in October uh, for All Elite Wrestling. It's already sold out. Their first show, as I mentioned on Twitter, at Wrestling TWT. Think about it. Monday Night Raw started at the Manhattan Center, small venue. For those that don't remember, just go back to the WWE Network. Look at the first few years of Raw in that small arena. That's where Raw started. Think about where WCW started. When Eric Bischoff took over WCW, it all was at the Mall of America in Minneapolis. He could have had it anywhere, but Eric decided to put it in the mall in Minneapolis. And you remember that first one? That's when Lex Luger uh, was came out on Money Nitro out of nowhere. He wasn't even, supposed, wasn't even supposed to be on that show, and he just came out of nowhere as he was just on WWF programming just a week prior. So think about those two venues, and then think about selling as many tickets as all wrestling has already done here for this event in Washington, D.C. They are taking a big swing at everybody else in professional wrestling. You think about this. Um, usually, when you start a promotion, you start small. I remember talking to Jim Cornette when he was working for Ring of Honor, and I asked him, I said, you know, you guys are running a place in Chicago Heights, you know, small place in Chicago Heights. 
So why are you uh, actually Chicago Ridge is if I recall it properly is I think Chicago Ridge. So why are you in Chicago Ridge when you could be at the UIC Pavilion? He goes, well, you got to start small first, create the demand, and then we can build to something bigger and something better. But not all elite wrestling. All elite wrestling, they're going for it. They're going to be in Washington D.C. in a huge arena, and then Wednesday, October 9th, they're also going to be in Boston, Massachusetts. And they're going to be at uh, the LaCourse Center in Philadelphia the week after. So it's Washington, D.C., then it's Boston, and then it's Philadelphia. Now, the tickets are, go on sale in Boston and Philadelphia on August 9th at uh, noon Eastern, 9 Pacific. It's crazy. They're not going with these small arenas. They're going for the bigger arenas, trying to pack it out to see where the interest is. And they're starting on the East Coast. It's, it's very interesting development happening with All Elite Wrestling. Uh, so, again, the best of luck to them. The whole thing that you look at with All Elite Wrestling is, is that it's all about having a different presentation than everybody else. Because when you are WWE light, when you are MLW light, if you're trying to be like uh, AAA in Mexico, trying to be like this promotion, that promotion, then that's when you suffer. Ask WCW what that was like trying to be like someone else. And so the same thing with AEW. If they have a unique presentation, this thing will survive. And it's on a huge platform on TNT. So the best of luck to All Elite Wrestling. They are not going to some small armory. They're going to nice-sized arenas. And I remember listening to Dave Meltzer a couple weeks ago. Didn't think that uh, All Elite Wrestling could sell out their first television show for October. And guess what? They did. They sold out. DC. Uh, a hotbed for professional wrestling in the past when they used to have shows at the, the Cap Center in Landover, Maryland, and having shows at the DC Armory. I believe um, WCW ran there. I believe the WWE ran there. And it's a hotbed for wrestling, and it's sold out just like that. It's a hot ticket. So when it comes to your area, you got to support it because it's all about professional wrestling. Let me switch over to SummerSlam here because SummerSlam is going to take place uh, in Toronto. Uh, on the WWE Network. One of the main events is Brock Lesnar against Seth Rollins. The SmackDown Championship will be defended as Kofi Kingston takes on Randy Orton. Becky Lynch will take on Natalya for the Women's Championship uh, for Raw, and for SmackDown, it is Bailey against Ember Moon. Okay, so I look at this card, and to me, I think the show stealer very well could be Becky Lynch against Natalya. And I'll talk to Sean Farnham about that in moments here, but I think that the Raw Women's Championship could be uh, a very, very good match. Natalia, in this build, by the way, the back and forth, the video packages uh, between these two have been very good. Natalia has been underrated for a long time. And for the, the old heads out there that know wrestling, they would refer to Natalia as a good hand. She's been a good hand for a long time, and she really should have been in the championship picture a lot more often. Because as a heel, in particular as a heel, I think that she's completely over. She looks great. She is a second-generation wrestler, and I think that she's just been a good hand for too long. She's almost Dolph Ziggler, for God's sakes, as far as someone that has been on television for a long time, but really, I think, undersold and really has not been able to bring out her personality. Now it's happening. Now there's like a second gear with Natalia that I think is very interesting. And she's going to take on Becky Lynch. And I'd love for Natalia in her home country to be able to win the Raw Women's Championship. It may not happen. Uh, Becky Lynch, to me, is still not caught fire. 
for for all of the media and the press that she does and for uh, her winning the Raw Women's Championship and being part of that, it still it still feels tepid. It doesn't feel hot yet. Um, when she was feuding with Ronda Rousey or or uh, looking at Stephanie McMahon and going back and forth with her, it seemed like it was going someplace. And now it's kind of it's it's kind of quieted. It's not like it was before. So it'll be interesting to see Becky Lynch against Natalya. I think that could steal the show. Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is a terrible actor. It just is. I mean, whatever you think of him as a wrestler is great, but just the mic work on Monday Night Raw on uh, August 5th was not great. He gets beat down, he takes the mic, and he's just in a whisper, and the fans there didn't understand what he was saying or just really not into what he was saying. Just, it's It seems like it, the great underdog taking on Brock Lesnar. It's not, like we, it's not like we haven't seen this match before, right? Uh, as I said a few weeks ago on this program, Brock Lesnar... Being the universal champion does nothing for me, does zero for me. And the reason why it does is because it's almost like Vince says, well, if Seth can't get over with the championship, let's just bring back Brock. He doesn't have any UFC aspirations, so let's just bring back Brock. And Brock is not a guy that's doing the house show loop. He's a special attraction, and that's that's fine. You can do that. Remember the last time I said this? If Brock's going to be the champion, that's fine. But get others hot. Get contenders hot underneath him. And if if all you have is Seth Rollins, who may lose at SummerSlam, then what's the point of all this? How many different matches can you have with Brock Lesnar squashing people? If he's the number one guy, okay, great. But who's hot underneath him? Where's your top ten of contenders that you say, for sure, I could see this guy because he's got momentum and he could take on Brock Lesnar. And he could beat Brock Lesnar. You know, just... It's just the same old, same old. Where's the change in the WWE in that regard at the top when it comes to the Raw uh, Universal Championship? Someone else's got to get high is Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston, as a WWE champion, and I recognize him as the champion of the company, is going to take on Randy Orton. I was going after someone on, on Twitter, or they were going after me because I made a comment about Randy Orton, how we haven't seen anything different in the last 15 years. It is true. Randy Orton is is not as good as his dad. His dad was a great worker. Randy is a great athlete. There's no question. The athleticism is there. Bob Orton was a better worker, and I would suggest that his uncle, uh, Barry O, was a better worker than Randy Orton. You know what else would agree with me on that? I think Randy Orton would agree with me on that (laughs) because Randy does his customary five moves, and there's no second or third gear at Randy Orton. That's the thing. I think that when you watch wrestlers for a long time, for a long time, for decades, right? Like Randy Orton. When you see someone that's been in the ring for a long time, you would think, okay, since this person's on my television every week, you want to see something different. Like if he's this persona for a year, then what's his next gear? What's his, is he going to be a baby face? Is he going to be a heel? And then what does he do in ring that's different? He hasn't done anything different since he debuted. And for me, I think that's dull. I think that Randy Orton, that's one of the guys I just don't get. I don't think Randy Orton is special. I don't. And then he takes on Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship. I think the story's interesting because, once again, the WWE, they they completely, um, they really did a poor job of trying to build something with Kofi and Randy uh, years and years ago. And they're showing the old films of, of Raw from like 10 years ago when these guys went out at the Madison Square Garden. That's cool, but they you had something Kofi Kingston and you just pushed him aside like so many in that company. But Kofi now is the champion. 
Kofi needs to have more fire. Kofi cannot just give me tr- you know, trouble in paradise with the one kick and then win. I mean, that's great once he connects, but there's, I don't see the fans and I don't see Kofi having a, a little bit of a difference. You know, it's, it seems very similar to me, Kofi as a champion. It's good to see him in that spot. It's just that I look for him to see if he can grow in that spot. A lot of smiling, by the way, a lot of pancakes, a lot of smiling. Not, don't like that in my WWE champion. That's great for kids, but at some point you got to get serious and, I don't see that enough in the WWE champion. Still a lot of smiling from Kofi Kingston. I think that's, that's okay sometimes, but um, I think uh, a different personality at times would uh, be great for Kofi. Uh, I think, as I mentioned, Becky Lynch and Talia will be a terrific matchup, and I also believe that AJ Styles and Ricochet could uh, tear down the house for the United States Championship. Two aerial wrestlers that do a great job of being able to just wow the crowd. I think that they, those two can really be able to do some great things for the United States Championship. Want to see more from Kevin Owens, too. Kevin Owens has got a lot of mic time on SmackDown and on Raw. He's been able to speak his mind as far as how he doesn't like Shane McMahon. And I think that's great. I think that's you're trying to get somebody over. Kevin Owens is um, kind of this uh, character baby face. And I think that that's cool. I think it's great for Kevin Owens. I think it's great for, for him because now you see someone that's getting hot. You can see someone here that's anti-establishment, and that's good. It's almost Steve Austin-like in that regard, where he's, he's going to say what is on his mind. I almost see him punk-like in that regard. Say what's on his mind, kind of in a work shoot kind of way, adds personality, adds a little fire, which I really like. I think that's really good. It's good to see Trish Stratus back. She'll be taking on Charlotte Flair. That very, that very well could be a very good match, by the way. Trish has been in retirement and can come in and I think can still have a really good match uh, with the Queen Charlotte Flair. So I, I think that that is uh, that's some pretty, I think it's a pretty good card. I thought that the build was a little bit lackluster here on Monday Night Raw last couple of weeks, but I think that uh, overall I think it's a, a pretty good card for the WWE. All right, let's talk to Sean Farnham, our college basketball analyst, but as a huge WWE fan. We'll get his thoughts about uh, the state of the WWE and, of course, his thoughts on SummerSlam taking place in Toronto. Then we'll hear from Tessa Blanchard from Impact Wrestling, and uh, she is really on fire. She is trying to change the entire landscape of pro wrestling for what she does and her travels. So we'll really get a chance to learn a little bit more about Tessa Blanchard from Impact Wrestling because Bound for Glory is going to be in the Chicagoland area on October 20th. So let's hear from Sean Farnham now, his thoughts uh, on the WWE and professional wrestling right here on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Sean Farnham now joins me on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN 1000. Of course, the Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday podcast. Sean is a huge wrestling fan. Yes, that's Sean Farnham, our college basketball analyst, and he joins me here on ESPN 1000. Sean, as always, appreciate your time. It's SummerSlam weekend, sir. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a good week ahead for wrestling. I'm actually excited uh, because one of my I, – I, I volunteered PE, teaching PE at my son's schools when they were going through the elementary pro- program, right? Right. And on uh, this Friday night, I am going to see uh, one of my former students wrestle professionally as he is getting set to uh, get ready for uh, AEW and his uh, in, improving and emerging role for AEW. And I'm, talking about jungle boy uh so very very excited to go watch one of my former 
students that I that I coached for a couple of years actually end up now as a professional wrestler. I'm going to watch him at a GCW event here in Los Angeles on Friday night. Sean, Jungle Boy is over, man. Out of all the things that you've seen from AEW as of late, before they even have their first show, that's one of the things I think there's a thumbs up. I think that Jungle Boy yeah. and that and with with him and his, and his big uh, green friend, I think that works. <laughs> yeah, I do, and, and and I've watched him kind of grow uh, over the last couple of years. And of course, you know his father is the late Luke Perry from Nine Hundred Two One Zero, and you know he's gone through a really tough and difficult year. But all of this stuff kind of started culminating right before his father's passing. Um, and it's been a great motivational tool. There's a great documentary out on on YouTube about him and that process. But I think he is going to be an absolute phenomenal star in AEW, and I think AEW already realizes that. Uh, and and that's why you've seen him get some pretty good run in their first couple of events. And I would anticipate when it goes to TNT here uh, that Jungle Boy is going to become a, a household name. He does some acrobatic stuff that I I haven't seen other guys do. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun to watch, and, and he gets after it. Uh, and, and more importantly, just a really, really great kid that's been loving this his entire life. So, yeah, so Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, when it starts off at AEW, you got to be able to watch that. I saw that, those two in Jacksonville at Daly's Place, and I just thought they captured the imagination of the fans. So I think that that is a, a terrific act. If they stick with it, that's going to be a fun act. I, I would I, Before we get talked about SummerSlam, Sean, I do want to ask you about AEW because – Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Tony Khan, they have inked that deal with TNT, which is huge because that's a huge platform. But just on top of that, what resonates with me, Sean, is that they sold out that Cap One Center in Washington, D.C. You know, traditionally for wrestling, you start small, small venues and work your way up. But they are taking a big, giant swing by selling out the Washington, D.C. Cap One Center. Yeah, and, and I think what that shows you is one a, the popularity of the sport uh, entertainment world, right? Um, that there is an interest. There's a vested interest. And I think that we've, we've alluded to this in our previous conversations when we weren't just strictly talking about wrestling and we were talking about college basketball, the NBA, and somehow I would always hijack the conversation and bring it back to some wrestling analogy. But I do think that the WWE has swung and missed uh, recently in a couple of areas. And I think the fans are, have gotten a little frustrated. And then on top of that, the fans have gotten a little complacent with the product because this is it's been the only product. And because of that, I think you, you miss some of those old days where you would watch The Rock cut a promo and the place would go crazy and they would fall out. Or, you know, some of the times when you see championships being exchanged hands at WCW and how people – would, would just absolutely lose their mind over the NWO showing up or the DX or whoever it was at the time. Um, during the Attitude Era, there was a lot more, seemingly a higher rate of passion for the sport. Now it's kind of like, okay, these guys have controlled all the cards. They've held that monopoly down. And, and I know there's Ring of Honor and, and Impact. Oh, that's great. At the end of the day, it's been about the WWE. This is the first time that you've had, I think, in my opinion, a legitimate card and and roster that can put on a good show it's going to be very important obviously that they come out of the gate swinging uh and that there is some momentum coming out when you look at kenny omega and you look at obviously jericho being a household name in the latter stages of his career but the young guys that they've had it the talent that they've accumulated i think 
bodes well for AEW to to not take down the WWE because that's that's not going to happen, mm-hmm. um, but to be a viable option for wrestling fans that are looking for something different. Uh, and and I think that's going to be where they're going to find their niche and they're going to find their home. Sean, when you went to the house show, did you go to uh, Anaheim or Ontario for the house show? It was Anaheim. It was okay. Anaheim's house show. It was uh, fantastic. I mean, my, the, the best part about it was my little guy who's who's eight years old. Like Braun Strowman to him is like, you know, Iron Man is to Marvel Comics moviegoers. You know, like it's just like he, he's just amazing, right? Like he, that's the guy. And so he was in a fight with Bobby Lashley that night, and we were we were sitting second row, right by the ring, and they literally tossed Braun out, and he fell in between the aisle with my son sitting on the aisle. My son got up and almost went over to touch him, right? And I was like, no, 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 because Bobby Lashley was jumping over the top, and they were going to fight right next to us for a second. Uh, but the coolest thing is that I love the live event because the wrestlers interact with the fans a lot more than they do during the TV taping. And so the match ends. Braun goes around the ring. Shakes, you know, high fives and daps up every single kid, including my son. I got this great picture of my son looking up at Braun Strowman, like he just saw it all, and the smile on his face was awesome, and very much so appreciated uh, the the guys that, and 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 women that wrestled that night down in Anaheim. They put on a heck of a show. And then, of course, again, great with the kids, and definitely a, a phenomenal look to Braun Strowman. Now, where the hell is he on SummerSlam? See, here's the problem. Well, See, I know, that's, that's, this see? is where the WWE is missing it. They're, they're not booking right. So as of right now, you, you don't have Braun Strowman on your card for your major event of the summer. Right. One of your top four pay-per-views that you have all year long, and you don't have the biggest name and the biggest pop that you're going to get from anybody on your roster, even on the card. You don't have Roman Reigns currently on the card, although we can obviously see that there's something that is trying to be developed, and they're going to have to rush it through probably – you know, on, on SmackDown, Drew McIntyre currently not on the card. Uh, there are some major names and, and major talents that that should be getting major pushes, and they're not. And I think that that kind of that kind of stems to a frustration of why WWE fans overall are are going, okay, well, what direction are we exactly headed in right now? And then clearly putting in Bischoff uh, and Heyman behind the scenes. They're, they're, they're going to be changing, but this is a rush to SummerSlam in the way I feel like this card has developed, hasn't delivered on the storylines or the normal natural buildups that one would anticipate heading into this significant of a pay-per-view for the WWE. You, you jam Lacey Evans and uh, uh, Baron Corbin down our throats, and now they're not even on the card? Is this the problem? Yep. Like, it, this, there's a disconnect there with that. So I, I want to ask you, Sean, about uh, about the, I, I guess, main event with Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. I mentioned before I had you on that, you know, I, I don't mind Brock Lesnar being a Universal Champion, but what I do mind is if he's not going to make the loop around the house shows like the rest of the, the talent, then you've got to build up your top ten. Find some a top ten that you feel like, okay, we build this this wrestler up through SmackDown and Raw, build him, build him, build him, and now he's ready for Brock Lesnar. I, I, I could have swore I've seen Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar before, and I can swear on Sunday we're going to see the same result of, with Brock Lesnar winning the championship again. And so, to me, there's the problem. If Brock's going to be the champion, great. But if you're not building strong contenders against him, then what's the point of this? 
I would agree. And one would have thought that maybe it would have been Braun Strowman's chance and Braun Strowman's opportunity. And I know in recent articles, Braun has come out and said he doesn't need the strap to, to validate his career or continue. And that has been a long-standing conversation with many guys that have, have enjoyed the monster among men or the giant category. The Big Show and I, I actually had a conversation with him one time when he came to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and I asked him about, you know, should Braun get – get the belt and he, he said you know here's the reality he doesn't need it and sometimes Vince doesn't want to give it to that big guy because then how do you beat him right um but you'd like to your point Brock Lesnar has been that big guy for a long time and I, I think I agree 100% Seth isn't going to win the title this weekend and Brock is going to be the universal champion then you look at the other main event and you've got Kofi versus Randy Orton now I love the Viper as much as anybody but the Viper's day has come and gone as far as being, you know, if you're building towards the future of your company, he's probably not a guy you're investing a lot in. So, therefore, if you start going down this card and you start going, well, clearly this guy's going to win, well, clearly that guy's going to win, then it kind of takes out the excitement of the event. And I think in recent, recent months, we've seen some of those younger guys come along. Where's Elias? Right. You know. Here is Elias who had this whole thing about how he was going to be the face of SmackDown Live, um, and he was going to be the guy. Is this the guy that's, that's hitting Roman Reigns in the car, and, and we're going to see that battle again? Um, or, or why hasn't he given, been given that push? I think when you look at what makes the all-around WWE superstar a superstar, it's not just their in-ring ability. It's their look. It's the character development, but it's also their, their microphone skills. And I think that Elias is as solid as anybody on the mic in the WWE. And, and that, to me, is like, you know, where, this, where they need to progress. Because I think there's guys that we've seen now through promo cuts. I think Kevin Owens and the change in his character has been a good thing for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Elias is very good at that. I think The Miz is vastly underrated overall. Uh, with his ability to use the mic uh, and then also deliver on the product inside the ring. Is Kofi Kingston over? Um, not quite sure. I think <laughs> and you and I that's, that, this, okay? that's not good for the so, company champion if you're not sure. Well, yeah, but I mean, the same could be said about Becky Lynch. Right. Like, Becky, Becky was over. Becky was the man. Becky was destroying people. And doing whatever she wants, taking names and kicking butt, and the next thing you know, it was a forced Lacey Evans situation that that evolved way too quickly for Lacey and way too quickly for Becky. Um, Then all of a sudden, they publicly came out with a relationship with Seth Rollins and did a whole, like, hey, now we're a romantic couple thing, and that's fine because that is reality of where they're at. But it took away from the whole moniker of the man. And then now you've got her fighting in a match against Natalia where, again, we're going down the list here. Do you want to put money on who you think would win the, is going to win that match this weekend? I no. mean, is there, is there any question that Becky's walking out of there with the belt still? I would like to see Natalia win because she's just been, what Jim Ross called, a good hand. She, she, I mean, she, yeah. really, she really is. I mean, Sean, she's kind of like the Dolph Ziggler. She's like a female Dolph Ziggler. She's a good hand, but not championship worthy. I think that she is, but there's no question that Becky's going to come out with the championship. Right. So now we're going through, we just went through the, the three big events. Brock versus Seth Brock. Uh, Kofi versus Randy Kofi. 
Becky Lynch versus Natalie. Becky. Like, so then we're, we're going to get really excited now because maybe Ember Moon has a chance to knock off Bailey and become the, uh, the SmackDown Women's Champion. So as you're going down the card, and oh, by the way, the Intercontinental Championship isn't even on the card as well as much as we've talked about some of the other people not being there. You don't see the IC title yet being in a match, and if it is, it most likely is going to be on the pre-show. You don't see the tag titles up anywhere on the card right now as it's set. Right. And you don't see um, the, the other guy. Who was I thinking of? I was thinking of, I was thinking, oh, the Women's Tag Team Championships, which, of course, just changed hands last night um, with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. There's, there's a tag team. You know, you built these titles up, and it was going to be a big deal. And so far, every pay-per-view since then, the titles have either not been part of the card or have been part of the pre-show in a meaningless match. So when your titles aren't all on, on display, and instead we're getting Bill Goldberg coming back or Trish Stratus coming back to take on Charlotte Flair, it kind of lacks, in my opinion, the sizzle and pop that we've become accustomed to when you think about SummerSlam uh, and the product that we've seen over the years that has built momentum into now coming off of this all the way through Survivor Series to Royal Rumble to WrestleMania. Yeah, they, more than likely they'll continue to add matches because we've come to find out that the WWE, Sean, is like the Harlem Globetrotters. You know what they are when they come there, and so you you don't need a card. You just know they're going to be there. So WWE is going to be there, and so you just have to sit and wait and see who else is going to be on the card. So 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 the the actual gauge with Kofi Kingston as WWE champion is does does Kofi Kingston resonate with your with your kids? Because no. like when he comes, to, okay, well that's bad. <laughs> because they don't, they don't like. I mean, and that's nothing against Kofi. And I interviewed Kofi on Get Up, and I love Kofi, and I think yes. he's tremendous. But I don't think he's moving product, right? I mean, I think New Day moves product as, as well as anybody as a, as a trio. But Kofi himself, does he resonate? And have they built enough around him? I think part of it is is also the script and in the opponents that have been lined up since he won the title. It has not allowed him to continue momentum and elevate that championship, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a big part of it. Randy Orton does not do that for him. It does not push him in that direction. It does not move him in that direction. I think when you look at the card this weekend, there's two matches that I look forward to most. One is AJ Styles and Ricochet, just because I think – Technically speaking, and still set, I think those those two guys are going to put on a tremendous match. And we've seen it before, and we know what it can be. I, I just hope that if there's not the outside interference uh, from, from Gallows and Anderson or something like that that's going to deteriorate the quality of match that we can see there. And then I think that the biggest match that I am most excited to, because I think if there's anything on this card that – is building towards a major push and a major pop and something that's going to change the direction of what's going on in the WWE landscape, then Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor is that match. And I think Bray Wyatt uh, has the the build-up factor now from all of these promos that are cut from the Firefly Funhouse to what we've seen him sneak up and attack McFoley, sneak up and attack... Uh, Kurt Angle. Uh, th- those are the things that I think fans are like getting excited about how creepy, how scary, how psycho that this character has become is, is can the WWE keep the momentum going 
and allow this build-up process and allow Bray Wyatt to get that push. I was there at the Elimination Chamber when he won the WWE Championship uh, in Arizona in January of not this past year, but the year before. And I thought, okay, here it is. Here's going to become his big push. And it quickly ended. But he's a guy that I think because of the character development that has been put into place over the last couple of weeks, I, I think in particular he can be a guy that starts to move up and push the product forward. And I think that that's very important right now for the WWE. Does Bray Wyatt scare you personally? Yes, he does. My son gets freaked out by it. That's where you know it's really good. My eight-year-old, like, it gets dark, and he goes, oh, no, Dad. And then the lights start flickering, and the first time you see his face, he flips and covers. And that's the reaction you're going for, right? I mean, that's yeah. what this character is designed to do. Uh, and, and so when you talk about getting over and making things work, Kofi's a good story, but Kofi's not getting over in that same way. He's not making people react uh, positively or negatively. And in, in this business in particular of sports entertainment, you've got to invoke a reaction. It's either got to be, I hate this person, I'm scared of this person, I love this person, that guy's a monster, oh my gosh, like how awesome is this person every single time? When, when Stone Cold's music hit and the glass broke, mm-hmm. was there ever an arena that didn't lose their mind? All of them, all of them. As, as, as late as the Raw reunion, the same thing. I mean, it doesn't change. It doesn't change. He can be gone for 10 years, and if that glass shatters at an arena, people care. And I think that there's, there's a buildup factor with, with Bray that is, is creating this when the lights go out. People are like, uh-oh, here it is. Who's he attacking? What's he doing? This is going to be awesome. When Kofi, Kofi's music hits, is there any other sense of is, this is just an individual from New Day? And that's unfortunately where it's gone. Yeah, there's no question. And so I heard Bully Ray say this on, on Busted Open recently, and I, I believe this wholeheartedly when it comes to the WWE. Sean, I think it's it's very clear that Vince does not want, Vince McMahon does not want another Rock, another Stone Cold, another John Cena. And what I mean by that is is that it's it's one thing to get over organically. It's another thing to be able to uh, transcend the WWE when you go to Hollywood, when you're on the on the talk show circuit. I just think that that Vince wants to be able to put a tarp over today's superstar, even Roman Reigns to an extent. Like he doesn't mind being on his guys to be on WWE films, but as far as being a megastar, I think that that Vince feels like he was burnt. I think he's happy for them, but also feels like he didn't get the most out of these guys enough where these are WWE guys. Because Rock is Rock used to wrestle. That's how I look at The Rock. Rock is a guy that used to wrestle, but he's a megastar. I look at him as a movie yeah. star even more so than a wrestler. Stone Cold Steve Austin, yeah, he still dabbles in podcasts and still hangs around every, from time to time, but he, he's doing his own thing. He's not a, a WWE guy. I look at him as as a guy that used to wrestle but doing other things. And I think that when it comes to this roster, the reason why you're not getting 10 wrestlers that are mega over is because Vince tamps it down. He doesn't want that for today's superstar. And so you're wondering, like, how's how's Samoa Joe not over? How Braun Strowman's not on the card? How come? It's because I just think that he likes to water it down where it's about the WWE more so than one or, or a few WWE superstars. And I think if that is the case, then I think it is a it's an error um, in in getting your product to stand out. And I think that's where the AEW coming in all of a sudden might force that hand to change or shift a little bit. 
Um, and not a lot, but just a little bit. You can't be in fear of guys leaving to go do other things, whether it's movies, music, whatever it may potentially be, um, that any of the professional wrestlers, men or women, have set in their sights. You cannot be concerned with that. Because if your concern is that and you're not going to maximize what they can bring to you while they're there, then you're losing out on the product of while you're there. There's always going to be someone else. And sometimes it takes time to get there, right? Whether you go from like Hogan and the Macho Man uh, to the time that it took to find Austin and The Rock. Uh, there's, there's gaps that go in between. But even during those gaps, while the product may dip a little bit, the dip has been pretty significant in the ratings this year for television. And that, that's where I would be looking and going, okay, what we are doing is not necessarily driving it home with the audience that we're intended to reach. We're not getting them to the point uh, when you're wrestling in a match and the women are wrestling and they're chanting AEW or they're chanting boring and things like that, and it's a live television event, those, those are not the reactions want you know um and you know the cm punk world is still resonating as far as fans i know he didn't do well in the ufc but there's still a group of people that they're going man who can aew get cm punk can they somehow convince him to be part of that you know and it's there are there have been guys that have had that opportunity to be difference makers that for one reason or not have not elevated to that status and you can't worry about if Braun Strowman's going to be a, a a guy in a Marvel movie coming up or not you can't worry if you put a strap on him what that's going to mean for his future what that means for your business now and the business model that you have what what kind of positiveness would you resonate from that if you pushed Elias uh, more and gave him a title opportunity if Joe got a legitimate push um, and not one that just always seemed to come right to the cusp and then get pulled back ever so quickly, or give him a belt and then have him lose it right away. So those those things, what happens there is fans get disappointed because they get excited and they get teased with the fact that this might be the next superstar. Cena carried the load for a long, long time, and the number of championships that he has won, uh, it, you know, is only equal to that of Ric Flair. So you can't say that the WWE didn't squeeze every ounce of juice that they could out of John Cena. Not from a standpoint of just even the professional wrestling aspect or the branding aspect of John Cena, Mm -hmm. but the merchandise and the way that he won over the crowd and the way that, to be honest, he, he kind of is the pioneer in the whole WWE community service project because of how much he's been involved with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And so for that, I look at it and say, hey, you know what? Like, if he's going to go off now and make $20 million a year in movies, then good for him. If he's not going to wrestle anymore, then good for him. The the industry and the model that Vince has always used, there's always been another guy that's come up. And right now, Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, The Miz, Elias, Samoa Joe, Bray Wyatt, these are the guys I'm most interested in watching on a consistent basis. I'm not interested in seeing Drew McIntyre as a sidekick to Shane McMahon. I'm more interested in watching Drew McIntyre compete in main events for championships because I think he's that good. And I know that The Rock said earlier this week in an interview that he felt like he could be the next face of the industry. Uh, And I don't disagree. But there's an evolution 
to who this Drew McIntyre is versus the Drew McIntyre that made an original run uh, in the WWE. Lastly, Sean, I'll say this, and, and you know this landscape better than I do from your former employer on Fox. SmackDown on Fox will be very interesting, and I've been seeing that on Fox programming from you know from their baseball coverage to some of their MMA coverage, they are promoting the hell out of SmackDown that is coming to the Fox network, which is which is great. There's nothing wrong with it. I just I think on a very tough TV night on a, on a Friday night against the NBA. Uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be hard for them to be able to get the number they want. They're starting in October, SmackDown, uh, while the while the playoffs, yeah, while the playoffs are going, and while the World Series is going to be going on. So I know that there's already been some questions from the USA Network and Fox about the numbers because ratings, even though in this digital age, ratings still matter. It, we it, yep. it, it makes the world go around. So. If you're looking at SmackDown in the low twos, high threes, or, or, or low threes, that's not going to get it done for Fox. They spent a ton of money for this property for a Friday night. Good luck with that. Well, and, and I think here's the deal, and this is why when I'm looking at this card, I'm questioning where that is going to take us by the time we get to the first week of October when it comes on. Because as you mentioned, you're in the World Series. You mentioned you're in Major League Baseball playoffs. You mentioned... Also, the fact that Friday night, there is a college football game every single Friday night on ESPN. Yeah. There is competition to be had. Uh, and then once you get past that, then it's the NBA. And so every Friday night, you're going to be competing against other properties. That is why I think what's going to transpire and what has to happen between now and the time that we get to October, this the WWE has got to reconnect, surprise, and, and shock us at times uh, in order to get its fan base energized and ready to go because not only that, now you also have competition in pay-per-views. You have competition as far as a weekly wrestling show. So how often are you going to stay up and say, you know what, yeah, I'm going to hit Monday, Wednesday, and Friday plus a pay-per-view on Sunday. That's a strong commitment even for a hardcore sports entertainment fan. And so the product in itself has got to uh, get to the right stage. And right now, I think we're not, we're not at that stage looking at this card. The storyline buildup on this card is not the, the way that we've normally seen. The WWE earlier this week on Instagram put out all those former po- posters of all the, uh, the SummerSlams that they've ever had in the history of SummerSlam. And when you look at those posters, there were, there were posters that I looked at and said, oh, man, that was iconic, that match. Oh, my gosh, I remember watching that. Oh, that was unbelievable. Can you imagine? Look at the guys that were the headlining main event of this card. When you look at this card, do you think this card is going to be remembered even six months from now for what it is? No. Nope. And that's not a great place to be heading into one of your your premier pay-per-view buys of the year, one of your top four statement events that you have as a company that there's nothing on this card as of right now that makes you go, man, I know a year from now, two years from now, I'm going to be talking about that. There's no Hogan versus HBK for the first time ever. You know, that happened on SummerSlam. That didn't happen on WrestleMania. Didn't happen at the Royal Rumble. It happened at SummerSlam. There's been so many great iconic moments and maybe something out of this card is going to shock us all 
this weekend. And then you and I will have a conversation sitting down along the road and be like, man, totally didn't see that coming. That was unbelievable. That's the <laughs> SummerSlam moment of this entire card. Well, you but just as slip, of right you, now on oh, paper, looking forward, I don't see it. Sean, you just slipped something past me. You slipped You slipped past me that, that SmackDown is going to be at the Staples Center. That's going to be the first SmackDown? The 4.30 4 yep. p.m. in the afternoon show is going to be in Los Angeles? Yes. Wow. <laughs> now, listen, it'll be fine. It'll it'll sell out, and it could go either way because it's L.A. People are, will either love it or they will hate it, and it will be heard on the television because L.A. is like Chicago and New York. If it sucks, L.A. fans are not going to like it. So it'll let now, you know remember, about it. Fox Sports headquarters are in Los Angeles. Okay. And so, guaranteed, I mean, they're going to roll out. There's going to be a red carpet or a blue carpet for it, probably. Uh, but there'll be a blue carpet. There'll be celebrities all over the place. Uh, it will be sold out. It will be packed. But the build-up factor to that, it's going to be really interesting. And that's why when I look at this card and I see guys like Bill Goldberg or Trish Stratus, when there's so many very talented young female competitors, uh, and there's so many talented names that are not even listed on this card right now. I go, man, what what, do, what are we doing? Where are we going? Because I don't, me personally, Bill Goldberg, as fun as it is to watch him come down and say, you're next, that doesn't make me want to watch SummerSlam one iota more than I did before I saw him show up. It's good stuff, Sean Farnham. And, and your wrestling name is, yes, that Sean Farnham. That's that should, that should be your rustic name. You print the t-shirts you know, now, Sean. Hey, can I be honest though? You know what we need? We need a Bobby the Brain Heenan part two. <laughs> no, I mean that? I'm being honest. I know Vince doesn't like managers, but like don't you kind of need like Heyman really works with Brock Lesnar, but when's the last time you had a manager with a stable? You know? Yeah. Like, these are my guys. We are taking over. I have handpicked each and every one of them. I am taking them to the top of the mountain. And all that stuff, that's part of the good storyline that we grew up with, whether it was Mr. Fuji, whether it was Bobby the Brain. He, he's got the Hall of Famers in the WWE. And, and I know Vince doesn't like managers, but certainly if that was ever an opportunity, I'd go in as a CEO. Oh. I would come in as a CEO, manage my way all the way to the top of the industry, get a stable behind me that is ready to go and change the direction. Profile is in the WWE. Could you imagine <laughs> you out there? I don't think you would survive on the road. I don't think you'd be very good with that, Sean. You got a, got a young family. I don't think you'd. I don't think you could make the house show in Poughkeepsie. I think you'd just be TV only. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm on the road quite a bit for college basketball. I mean, it is about six months straight on the road. Yeah, where I'm really only home about one day a week. Is it really that big of a difference? I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> hey, and as Ted DiBiase once said, everybody's got a price. Well, that is true. That is true. Everybody does have a price. I just, I can't see you just getting away from Mike Greenberg on Get Up, but I guess, you I mean, everybody got a price. I can see it. Hey, he had Stone Cold on today on his birthday special. I saw that. Yes, I saw that. Austin looks good. He can make a comeback. If that neck works, he can make a comeback. Yeah, that would be, that would be fun. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you spent some. That would be some... fun. I, 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 would, I would be down. You know what? I would be more inclined to watch SummerSlam if I heard the glass 
break and Steve Austin walked out than I would be to watch Bill Goldberg go against Dolph Ziggler. How about you and I talk again closer to this SmackDown Live? I'm very intrigued now with it being in Los Angeles on how all of this, how how different it will be from this conversation to when they get there, how the company will look. Perfect. I mean, what, what are you going to do, have NXT guys there? You're going you to set the world on fire with, uh, with NXT guys? I mean, I, it, to me, it's got to be something different, something big. And if it's the same, ugh, that won't be great. But if it's big and the buildup is just, and they basically, and, and this could be very much so where we're at, with the changes that they've had behind the scenes, that they say, okay, hey, let's put on a good card for SummerSlam this year. But our buildup and our focus has got to be on getting that SmackDown off without a hitch, with great storylines, moving into that, into Survivor Series. And maybe they're putting more of their cards in the Survivor Series this year, and the buildup factor to get the television ratings back up both for USA and for Fox when it makes the switch over on Friday night. And you'll be there too, I'm sure, right? You'll, you'll try to make it there. Ticket prices are $517. That's the biggest price. I'll, I mean, I'll try to make it, yes. I, I, <laughs> look, I'm going to a GCW event this Friday night. You don't think I'll go to the first SmackDown in LA if, if I can make it in my schedule permits? I'll be I, I think you should be. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Sean Farnham, as always, it's it's always a pleasure. Never didn't have to talk college basketball there. Just be able to talk straight wrestling on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, which I've enjoyed. Let's talk again soon. All right, we'll do it and uh, enjoy uh, SummerSlam this weekend. Thank you, my friend. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood, here on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. Also listening on the podcast Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Bountiful Glory is coming to Chicagoland. Villa Park at the Odium, Sunday, October 20th. Tickets are available on August 9th. It'll be live on pay-per-view, 7 o'clock Chicago time. And the great Tessa Blanchard is with me, Jonathan Hood, right here on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Tessa, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Tessa, how's, how's life for you right now? At this very moment, how's your life? It's going really good. Um... It's just been a lot of traveling lately, so it's been like America one day, then Mexico the next day, then just travel, 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 travel. Um, but it's good. I'm very blessed. It's a it's a daunting schedule. I want to go into that with you because I think that even though we we continue to see you on Impact Wrestling and other places, that schedule we, every weekend it's got to be daunting. Like, do you know where, where you're going this weekend and next weekend? Because it seems like it's a lot to keep up with. Um, this weekend's actually good. I'm in California right now, and so I'm staying in California this weekend. And then I'm in Mexico all next week training a group of people. And then I think we go to Mexico City for uh, Impact right after. Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a lot, but you're having fun with it. I can see every time that you stepped in, in the ring, it's a, a lot of fun for you. I, I want to get your thoughts on the state of Impact Wrestling because I think that for for many that have looked at the company, Tessa, people thought, okay, there's no way that this thing can survive, and it is surviving. Every Friday night on Twitch and on and you watch this on ImpactWrestling.com, it is a very interesting product. What is working well for this brand in your eyes? Um, something that I really enjoy about Impact is our product is so different from anybody else's. We have some of the best talents in the entire world. Um, but also, like, for instance, our knockouts division, there's zero weak links. Everyone is so talented in such a different way. Um, I like the direction that I've been able 
to go these past few months where I get to transfer over into more intergender wrestling and wrestle with some of who I consider some of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, so I think it's cool. I think it's impact is just off offering an alternative right now. As Tessa and I have this conversation, go to impactwrestling.com for tickets. Finally, uh, Impact Wrestling is coming back to Chicagoland at the Villa Park Odium Sunday, October 20th. Tickets available on August 9th, live on pay-per-view as well at 7 o'clock Chicago time. And Tessa Blanchard joins me, Jonathan Hood, here on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. What surprises you, Tessa, the most about the level of competition that you work with as you travel to different places and different uh, uh, cities and countries around the world? I've actually, I've, I've made my independent schedule a little bit lighter lately. So I've been focusing more on my role in impact wrestling and uh, wrestling over in AAA in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so I just think, I think the level of competition is, it's very different where I go. Uh, the styles are different. Um, but that's one thing that, that I always wanted to do when I first started wrestling was I wanted to become one of the most versatile wrestlers possible. That way, no matter who I was up against, whatever size, um, whatever gender, whatever country I was in, it didn't matter the variable I could adapt. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So the difference in like in, I don't know if I can say that there's impact wrestling style because there's a, it's almost like a hybrid of so many different styles when I'm watching impact wrestling. But when you go to Mexico, clearly there's a different Lucha Libre kind of faster style there. And it, how much is that an adjustment for you? Because yes, you've become versatile, but you had to adjust to all that, right? For sure. But also at the same time, they're going to have to adjust to me. I'm a different type of wrestler with, I believe with how versatile I can be, I can go into a Lucha Libre ring with luchadoras and I can still remain the same Tessa, but adapt in a way to where uh, we create something different with the clash of our two styles. So Tessa, as a traditional wrestling fan that grew up watching, watching your dad and watching Magnum, I'm not necessarily a fan of intergender matches, but what I really thought is that you and Madman Fulton and you and Sammy Callahan told a great story. So it, it kind of, it turned me some on intergender matches. Could you tell us from the beginning, what was the, the build to be able to have a match put together like that? For sure. Um, I always say just like any style of wrestling, uh, it could be strong style. It could be Lucha Libre. It could be intergender wrestling. It's not for everyone. Some people might like a certain style. Some people might not like it. But just like any other style of wrestling, there's a way to do it. Um, I don't think that the approaches go in there and a guy's just punching a woman nonstop. I, I, I don't think that that's the way to do it. I think that there is a way. And when it's done correctly, it's actually a really cool thing. And I love that when we're able to go out there, kill it, and actually have people change their way of thinking or understand even a little bit um, what we're talking about when we say things like that. You turned to me. Congratulations, you turned me. Because I was not into it, because I was like, this is not right, I want to see you. But then to see you and Sammy in there, and then the, the as of late saw you at Madman Fulton, I'm thinking that, without question, that's the tallest wrestler that you faced, right? I mean, that guy looks like he's seven feet tall. I think so. I think he is very, very tall. But like I said, just like any style of wrestling, there's a right way, there's a wrong way, and it's really just your perception of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
the knockouts division, I want to get your thoughts on that as well. You know, one of the things that's been a hallmark of impact for many years has been the, the knockouts division, going back to when Dutch Mantel was there and he was working uh, with, the, with the ladies. What, what stands out most about the division and impact? Uh, just a little bit of what I said before is there's no weak links. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so different. And I really like how with impact right now, there's a spot for everybody um, in a different way. Like all the girls are so talented. All the women can go out there and kill it. And there's so many different matchups that we can create with our knockout division. But really from Taya to Alicia to Sue to Rosemary uh, to Jordan Grace, the list goes on. It's just everybody is so different. And now with uh, Tennille coming in, I think it just adds a cool different dynamic to it. Tessa Blanchard with Jonathan Hood on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday here on ESPN Chicago and the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. Don't forget, it's coming back to Chicago finally, Sunday, October 20th. It'll be Bound for Glory. Tickets available at impactwrestling.com. It'll take place on uh, August 9th. That's where you can get your tickets. And again, it'll be live on pay-per-view on October 20th, 7 o'clock Chicago time. Do you, you know, it's, it's interesting in the entertainment field, we're both on like arms of the entertainment field you and professional wrestling me and broadcasting so the the thing i was always learned is you got to keep your your circle small do you have a best friend in wrestling that you kind of rely on that you talk to yeah actually i would say that my best friend in wrestling is Britt baker um her and i talk all the time keep each other level-headed and grounded um we're with different companies but still uh when we were on the Indies together, we would go out there and have some of our first matches together, and uh, we wrestled in so many different places together. So, yeah, I definitely think for a lot of people, you just keep your circle small. It's a lonely business. You're traveling all the time. You're in the airports, the hotels, and the venue, and more often than not, you don't get to see the cool places that you go to. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a busy and lonely business, but you've got to have a mental strength and have those people who are you know you can trust and who are your best friends and you keep close uh, how would you categorize the state of the business right now tessa because i i think that the doors are open for so many different talents and it's a lot different from back in the day where you'd read through magazines or periodicals about wrestlers but now you can go anywhere and be able to see wrestling from all corners of the globe so what do you think of the business where we are right now in 2019 Um, I think it's a really neat place where we are right now because there's opportunity everywhere. You don't have to be in one certain company or one certain position to make money, to make a living in this business. There's so much opportunity around everyone right now. Um, And I think that that's a really cool thing because there's some of the most talented wrestlers in the world that aren't under any sort of contract anywhere, Um, but there's still opportunity out there. So I think that's a really neat thing. When you heard that uh, that Tully was kind of back on the scene in AEW, what was your initial reaction? Man, I knew that before anyone. That's my dad. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I think it's a really cool thing because my dad is one of, all bias aside, he's one of the most brilliant people in the business. There's Mm -hmm. nobody like him. Um, I'm a huge fan of him and Arn as a tag team back in the day. Um, And one thing that I admire is his ability to go out there and just make it feel so real, um, which is what I want for my wrestling. I want in, in a in a time right now where if you went to people and you said, 
if it is wrestling fake, people would be like, oh, yeah, like wrestling fake, wrestling fake. But if you saw Johnny Valentine and Wahoo McDaniels in there, you're like, no, that's real. If you saw Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA in there, you're like, no, that's real. If you saw Tully and Arn against the Road Warriors, you're like, no, that's real. And that's what I want. I want people to say Tessa Blanchard versus whoever in man, that's real. Yeah, absolutely. It's you, you want it. You're the person that you want people to believe. Johnny Valentine's a great example of when you saw him, especially his facials, when you saw him, it's like, wow, you don't want to mess with that guy. So it's like Tessa Blanchard. You don't want to mess with that woman because you don't know what she's going to do. Oh, he's my do. favorite wrestler. Yeah. He's amazing. Hey, I, I've seen I've seen um, some of the the Houston films and others with with Johnny Valentine and that guy, you know, when he when he took a bump and it's very very rarely when he took a hit, his face would tell the story and he he would take his time. He wasn't rushing through it. I love Johnny in that regard. Oh, he's so good. I think one of the best heels of all time. Yeah, there's no question. So, is there something Tessa that you want to accomplish in your career or in your life that you haven't yet? Um, people ask me that a lot. People are like, what's next for you, Tessa? What is your goal? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and I thought a lot about it lately. And I think that my goals and my dreams have changed a lot since I started wrestling. Um, and my main focus is I just want to make history in a way that's different than anyone else. Right now we're seeing the first women's this and the first that and the first this and the first that. And it's great. It's great for women's wrestling and the women's movement and this revolution and everything that everyone's talking about is great. But I want to do something different than anybody else. And I feel like Impact is giving me the platform to do that and create something different that people haven't seen in a long time, maybe since uh, since the China days, you know. Um, so that's my main focus. I want to wrestle some of the best wrestlers in the world, and I want to make history in my way. Impact Wrestling can be seen on Friday nights on Twitch and Pursuit, and it's coming to Chicago. I'm giving D'Lo Brown a hard time for this because Impact has not been in Chicago for a long time, so I know that this is going to be sold out. I don't think there's any question because Chicago is rabbit, and they, and, and you've been here, so you know how rabbit this is, right? It's going to be at the yes. Odeon Villa Park, so it's going to be nuts. So here, here's the here's the scenario. It's Bears, Saints, and then afterwards it's Impact Wrestling. So, so you got a, a hot football game at Soldier Field. Then people are going to come to the Odium in Villa Park to see Bound for Glory. So they're going to be lubed up already from the Bears from the Bears game. So it's going to oh, be a, it's, it's going to be hot. Just I think you already expect this, Tessa. You already know this, but it's going to be a little bit more of a a different kind of hot crowd uh, for Bound for Glory. I'm ready. I'm ready. Don't give D'Lo a hard time though. <laughs> <laughs> well, just watch your wallet around him. Be careful with him, with D'Lo. Um, no, I love D'Lo. D'Lo's got a special place in my heart. <laughs> tickets available to August 9th. Uh, Tessa, I'm glad you spent some time. I'm looking forward to Bound for Glory. I'm glad that Impact Wrestling is coming back to Chicago. So, And I know you are too, right? Yes, I love Chicago. I had some of my first matches in Chicago in like the Berwyn Eagles Club. Yes. Um, so I'm really excited to come back. All right, Tessa, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, looking forward to seeing you and the crew on October 20th. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Great to hear from Tessa Blanchard from Impact Wrestling. Also, had a chance to hear from Sean Farnham, who loves his pro wrestling. Loves it. So it's great to have them on on this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Show produced by Sean Davis on the other side of the glass. We'll do this next Tuesday, 9.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. And, of course, If you haven't done so by now, subscribe to the podcast. 
Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, wherever you download your podcast, make sure you tell someone to find Jonathan Hood Talking Wrestling on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Talk to you next week with another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here 